Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Did you, America? Boys and girls, welcome to another edition of uh, Did You America Season 2, Episode... Almost Season 3. Jeremy Hoffman sitting over there. I'm Ian Canfield um, sitting here. I'm not feeling very good, I've got to tell you. I mean, you know me, I never complain. But (sighs) protein coffee. I saw some in the the store yesterday and uh, I thought to myself, oh, look, they're advertising uh, iced coffee in a can uh, with uh, 20 grams of protein and it said it was going to be uh, hazelnut. And, you know, I betrayed my own tradition because normally I'm I'm a very black and white person. I'm all in or I'm not. So if you're going to give me coffee with syrups and stuff like that, make it as unhealthy as possible. Just load it up. And if I'm not going to drink like unhealthy coffee, I just want my coffee black, right? It's like I can't go for non-alcohol beer. If it works for you, fine. But if I'm drinking, I'm drinking... If I'm not, I don't want beer that's got no alcohol in it, right? See, that's how I know you're 100% addicted to coffee. Like, I'm not a coffee drinker, so the idea of getting miscellaneous protein coffee from the store that I've never heard of is very much like, no, I would never do that. Like, let me just go get some Starbucks, the standard. But you're such an addict. You're like, no, I want like the disgusting stepped on shit. Like I want the stuff that might kill somebody. Also, miscellaneous protein coffee is definitely the name of my funk band. (laughs) Yeah, well, I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. And uh, so I put it in the fridge yesterday and I was waiting for you to come for the the podcast. So I got some out of the fridge and I took a a sip, first of all. And I thought, ooh. This tastes like medicine. But, but, you know, well, twenty. you want to get 20 grams of protein out of something they're trying to make to taste like hazelnut. It's probably going to taste like medicine. So <laughs> I'll have another sip. Mm, still tastes like medicine. And then on the third sip, I'm like, oh, I think this is actually making me ill. <laughs> and now we're about 30 minutes past the point of the third sip. And... I feel like I might have taken some bad drugs. Yeah, I'm telling you, you are a full-blown addict. Who'd... Also, like, nor- I'm surprised that you're not trying to get your money worth, money's worth and just, like, chugging it down. Oh. I'm sure that thing wasn't more than $3. I mean, it, no one Like, should I'm be... saying it, it was more than $3, No rather. one should, uh... No one should be in the presence of Jeremy Hoffman and be talking about taking bad drugs. I'm <laughs> telling you. You have the good I'll, stuff. I have, all the, I have all the stories. What do you want here? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Before my bad trip on bad coffee, <laughs> it feels like I'm having a bad trip. Do I look more like Grimace than normal? I am about to go so fucking Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd. Like, in, a, <laughs> in any second now, I'm going to go through my uh, 1970s Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys phase and go, I think... I think I need to lie down for three years and eat birthday cake. Like, yeah. that's what this bad protein coffee's done to me. Yeah, but good news for me, I'll just replace you and become significantly more famous. 
I'll tell you this though, um, before I had my bad trip on bad coffee, uh, I was driving home and some Steely Dan came on the radio, right? That didn't and, cure everything? Well, no, this was before the coffee. If it happened in the Ugh. other in the in the other order, some some Steely Dan at their jazziest would have been uh, it might have been the You had to deal with like real and then the years instead. No, it was it might have been like the antidote. They were playing uh, I had the uh, deep tracks on on Sirius and uh, and Black Cow came on and it uh, it made me think I had a a Steely Dan conversation uh, earlier on this week. This is the, by the way, we'll start the podcast properly in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we, we have a, an occasional feature uh, called Sometimes We Talk About Steely Dan. And I don't <laughs> think uh, we, we... No jingle for that one yet. There you go. It's a Steely Dan sound effect. I sounded, loved it. So I was having a chat uh, this week with um, someone uh, who works in uh, radio in, in DFW, and he told me this hot rumor that uh, Steely Dan were coming to town um, next spring, although they haven't announced the dates yet. I think that this guy's radio station might be promoting the shows when they're announced, which is how he knows. So we got into this uh, this conversation. There's two things, two, two Steely Dan talking points I'd like to share from this conversation conversation i had the first one and brace yourself about i might be about to say something controversial this person and i and i'm not going to name this person because of the second point we'll get to that legal reasons (laughs) well (laughs) the first point that we discussed was um the fact that uh, we'd both seen uh, Steely Dan back in the days when uh, Walter Becker was in the band. And they've been doing some shows uh, recently this year, both of us Steely Dan fans, so we've been online checking out the set list. And uh, we made the slightly controversial point that uh, the Steely Dan set list is a lot better since Walter Becker died. What? Like, what? Are they playing? I'm guessing, because Steely Dan is famous for doing super obscure songs that no one actually wants to listen to. Are they not doing that anymore? I, or are you such a fan that they're doing that a thousand no, times more they're, now? they're not doing that anymore. I think in the club of people that didn't want to hear the super obscure set was Donald Fagan. Really? And, and See, he, that's shocking he, to me. He might now be going, thank God the guitarist died so I can actually play. Do you know how, how long I've wanted to play Ricky Don't Lose That Number? <laughs> Because uh, the conversation with uh, which I'm having with uh, he who shall not be named, um, we, we, I said, you know what? I mean, now I, you know, I'm a, I, I like the deep cuts from Steely Dan. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy the shows with Walter Becker, and I'm, I'm very happy that I did see them a few times with Walter Becker. But if you look at the set list between uh, the, the the Walter Becker passing away and now, suddenly their hits intensive it, during those Walter Becker years. Let's say they played an 18 song set most nights, right? right. Out of 18 songs, I would say about two of those songs would have been known by a casual Steely Dan listener. Like a person who knows the Steely Dan that gets played on the radio, that person may have known like two out of the 18 songs. There was one time I saw him in uh, London... Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who does the guitar solo in Reeling in the Years is American, but he lives in London now for some reason. Ugh. I know, I was disgusted. Should we just not talk about him anymore? <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> just for this one. And um, they came on with Reeling in the Years uh, at the start of their show. Uh, and they, they did like this soul version of it. This is how reluctant Steely Dan were when Walter Becker was in the band to play the hits. The, the Danettes that are their backing singers came on stage 
with the backing musicians. So Walter Becker and Donald Fagan are not on stage at this point. And basically the backing band with the female backing singers did a sole version of Reeling in the Years to start the show. And then the two actual members of Steely Dan came on and played the rest of the set, right? So that's like the one good thing about Elliot Randall. Other than that, Elliot Randall, fuck you. Well done on that Google. Yeah, I so, gotcha. so yeah, the start of the show, they I guess that was how they were starting the tour each time with the soul version of reeling in the years not including the members of actual steely dan right but on the night they're in london they come back on for the encore right at which point they're probably most other shows playing a b-side for the encore and they go this is what this is what uh what walter becker goes he goes so you know uh elliot randall steely dan fans cheer it turns out he lives in london where they're in london so the london people cheer and he's at the show tonight. Huge cheer. And then Donald Fagan goes, did you know Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin says that the solo in Reeling in the Years is the best guitar solo ever? Now, you can Google that. That's apparently true, right? So big cheer. And then in the most reluctant fashion... Having said, the guy who played the solo is here because he lives in London and he's about to come on stage tonight. And Jimmy Page, arguably the most famous guitarist of all time, said that this guy's solo is the best guitar solo ever. This big build-up. And then and then, literally in these tones, they go, so, I guess considering all of that, we have to play the traditional version of Reeling in the Years with Elliot Randall. Oh, I just bring him on. And then, like, so reluctantly, they play... Like, that's how much... In the days that Walter Becker was in the band, Steely Dan hated playing their hits. They, see, you would think that he secretly hates Steely Dan. That's probably why he died. <laughs> it killed him. My second after all, these, it wasn't you after all. <laughs> My second point, and we'll start the podcast properly in a minute. No, we won't. Was uh, to, to reinforce this. The guy I'm having the conversation with, who we're not going to name said to me, you know, it is a good point because it was sort of my point that Walter Becker might have been the one that stopped them playing the hits. And he goes, you know, because um, last time I saw them with Walter Becker, he said, um, I took, and this was the way he phrased it, a younger lady with me. And she didn't know any songs that were being played. Now, the guy I'm talking to- So I killed her. (laughs) That's not how the story is. I mean, you're not mentioning him for a reason, I'm guessing. I'm just talking about an older man taking a younger lady to the show. I mean, it's like the lyrics of Hey 19. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is... Oh, yeah, she was 17. This was the... This guy's like in his 50s. He might be in his 60s. I don't know. He's not like old, old, but he's older. And my main takeaway from this, because we were on the same page of, well, they play more hits since Walter Becker died. My main takeaway from this, and I didn't want to say this to be rude, but I was about to go like, well, back up. Who takes a younger lady to a Steely Dan show? Is, it, is this the Pete Davidson effect? Since Pete Davidson <laughs> saw Steely Dan and started talking about it during his stand-up, now, now it's appropriate to take a younger lady to a Steely Dan show? Hey, say what you want. My generation appreciates the Dan. 
I don't. I, I mean, I. It, it, it seems to me that it wasn't so long ago that you took your mum to a Steely Dan show, right? <laughs> right. And I can't take my mum to a Steely Dan show because my mum is dead. But by being dead, in the days gone by, she would have only been just outside of the demographic of the, of the people that you take to a Steely Dan See, show. I think those are the perfect people to take to a Steely Dan show. Apparently, no one ever stands up at a Steely Dan show. You could just simply just put them in like weekends and Bernie style in the chair and have well, a good time. I don't know that it's actually the case anymore and for the guy who may not be named I feel like I should go back to him and go hey you do realise that your attempt at dating younger women by taking them to Steely Dan shows you're ruining it for everyone I don't want to get up at the Steely Dan (laughs) show I was quite happy to have everyone in front of me being 60 plus so that when they're selling the seats and you're offered the seat in row G which is cheaper because it's like the second section back it's okay because no fucker in the first section standing up you're ruining that by taking younger ladies your words to see Steely Dan shows where apparently Donald Fagan will play reading in the year well, sadly for you, when we go to that show, you're going to have to witness me standing up and dancing. And just like when I was at Dead & Company, how everyone thought I was Jerry Garcia, I guarantee you everyone will think I'm Walter Becker. <laughs> All right, let's start the podcast. We're going to start the podcast properly oh, now. okay. okay. Yeah, it's, Hit record? It's okay. Oh, we, we've been recording. Ah, it's all right. Hey, you know what? I think the effects of that bad coffee I had are wearing off now. I've had a little bit of Steely Dan therapy. I'm feeling like I'm coming out of the funk. You got that coffee crack energy. Uh, Let's know. do this. Uh, Jizz Fest is on, everybody. Woo! It's happening. So, you know, I'm... Uh, this well, is your first official news report, I'm guessing. <laughs> You know what? I, I, on the previous episode, uh, we mentioned the fact that there's a, a, a TV news network in England called GB News, Great Britain News, and they seriously asked me if I wanted to go on and be their correspondent to uh, give them the the. the uh, are you uh, are you up to, uh, up to date with the intricacies of the Gislaine Maxwell case? Was what they asked. <laughs> Which of course we are. And uh, and I, I I said no because it's funny to talk about the conspiracy theories on this podcast. I don't, I don't know if I wanted to if I wanted to commit to actually be in vision on a national serious news network t- saying you know killery this <laughs> lolita express that you all know. of a sudden you're like in international trouble although i tell you what though i've started using it as an excuse to get out of things because someone messaged me yesterday asking me to do some work somewhere again i'm, I'm, I'm referencing a lot of things here and not naming the people because there's too too much there's too much confidential information that's flying see what happens when i drink fake protein coffee <laughs> I'm, let, I'm, let, I'm letting all my secrets fly someone sent me a text message yesterday asking me if i could do some work um uh, basically work that I didn't want to do right and um, I was in the middle of doing something else and um, I thought I got three options here I can I can a ignore this person's message B I can just reply back no <laughs> the or, best one or C I can reply back with oh I would help you out but I've committed to covering the Ghislaine Maxwell case on GB News right? <laughs> he's never going to watch it here in America That's like, you have the perfect excuse now so what well, it occurred to me after I sent that text message this case as long as no one you know as long as Hillary doesn't kill her is going to go on for a very very long time this is going to carry on being my get out for, for anyone that asks me to do anything I don't want to do I'm going to be 
bit, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of my time taken up with GB News now. I've got to keep <laughs> up to date with the Ghislaine Maxwell case because I'm in vision on Zoom from my kitchen across all of Great Britain talking about the intricacies of the case. See, earlier this week, I was upset with you for not taking this job, mainly because after we did the show, I gave you the greatest idea ever, which was during your live broadcast, I was going to break out from behind dress as Ghislaine Maxwell <laughs> and act like I escaped from prison, which would have became made us international viral stars. But I do kind of love the idea that now you have this get out of jail free card. Just like, oh, sorry, I'm going to be on the news in Britain, Great Britain. I'm jizzing. I'm j- <laughs> See, I've been using that excuse for years now. You can join. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, anyway, if you are interested in the intricacies of the case, it's starting to get. I mean, just well. Again, I'm. 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 It's. Uh, what's the lyric of that uh, Gloria Gaynor song? As a gay, I should know this better. I, what's, how does? Uh, what, but of course, as a non-gay, I'm going to inevitably know what's it. What's how the lyric to um, "I Will Survive"? Uh, first, I was afraid. Now I'm petrified. Right. That's, that's what. I, that's what I was reaching for. Um, the because the jizzfest. Yes, it's sort of amusing, but. As I've mentioned this before, and I don't want to sound like those people who gathered a couple of weeks ago in uh, downtown Dallas to wait for JFK Jr. to return, because this is the kind of thing that, that, that they would maybe propagate. But if they did, they might be onto something here. I'm telling you that there are so many high-powered, super-rich people that are involved in this Ghislaine Maxwell case. Not necessarily all doing terrible stuff to underage kids, but in the orbit of that world. And I just feel like, you know, if she stays alive, and depending on how badly the court case seems to be going against her, there's going to be proof somewhere and files and stuff, and the whole world could be rocked on its axis just because of the the amount of like high-powered people that are implicated. So day one of the testimonies, uh, they interviewed Jeffrey Epstein's pilot. Um, I don't know if it still says on his resume that he was the pilot for the Lolita Express. He, <laughs> he may have removed that. Although well, that's I, the issue. He's probably been doing it for 20 years, so the next one's going to be like, hmm, what's up with this uh, work gap, you know? <laughs> so um, he just, uh, you know, nonchalantly threw out a bunch of names of people that he would regularly fly on so-called Lolita Express. Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Chris Tucker, John Glenn, and Kevin Spacey. Not Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I love, like, how did Chris Tucker and Kevin Spacey get on this list? <laughs> Two presidents, an American hero astronaut, and Kevin Spacey. Kevin- oh, not to mention the Smokey from the Friday series. <laughs> well, it might give Kevin Spacey an excuse because he can go, look, I can't pay House of Cards the 30 million they say I owe them. Do you know how much it costs to get a seat on the Lolita Express? <laughs> All my money went on that. Right. <laughs> you know what you should be fearful of right now is like, we talk about this so much and we talk about with Jizz Fest, you know, like all these names are going to come out like one of those, uh, like uh, uh, one of the d- festival lineups. Yes, well, here You're- we go. Look, this is like a lineup right. of a festival. So we found all the big names. You're guaranteeing yourself one of the small festival names that like <laughs> the, the Jizz Fest hipsters are like, you know, I don't really care about, you know, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Jeffrey Epstein. I'm here for Ian Camfield. <laughs> See the guy at the very bottom? <laughs> Look. I never got booked on Lolita Island. How did you get here then? (laughs) To do an Iron Maiden tribute. Let me see your passport.
You imagine if it was uncovered when they get when they go into these files that I'm scared they're going to shake the world on its axis. <laughs> Your world. And there's photos. There's photos of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. You know, the, I don't know whether this was fake or not, but there's that there's that rumor that he had a a, a, a picture of Bill Clinton, a painted picture of Bill Clinton in a dress in his in his, right. in his office. I think you like pan just around the corner of that, and then there's just this like huge Iron Maiden collage, <laughs> and then it, it turned out that like he was a Maiden super fan, and so was I. And I wouldn't we, doubt it. We, <laughs> we were like there. <laughs> Maiden were flown in to do special gigs where they only played songs that lasted 10 minutes or more because those were the ones that Jeffrey Epstein and I were really into. <laughs> You're like, I swear, I only accepted the drinks to get drunk from the girls. <laughs> and people are going, there was a club of people who were only into the Iron Maiden songs that lasted 10 minutes or more. This is more obscene than the sex allegations. <laughs> Honestly, I could totally see Jeffrey Epstein being a huge Iron Maiden fan. <laughs> it just seems right up his alley. You have got no punchline for that? No. I, just, I, I honestly, like, looking at the guy, could you not just see him, like, like hardcore headbanging and going hard at a concert? Like, that's where he lets his nerdy self loose maybe uh, yeah i don't i don't I, I don't know i don't know well anyway jizz fest is on and at the very least it's now providing me with an excuse to get out of anything that i don't want to do right you know i mean there's a couple of things that have also come up like you know little gatherings for the christmas and stuff like that where i'm like oh i can't be bothered to go all the way over there <laughs> I'm jizzing. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I can't. No, you can even use this as an excuse now for people in England. You can be like, "Oh, sorry, I'm covering uh, Jizz Lane here on American News." I feel like also for uh, they'd be good for like my, my, you know, like my resume. Like if we take it back, it says like uh, 2008, 2009, K Rock in New York, uh, 2010 uh, XFM, which was my radio station in London, uh, 2015, my radio stations in uh, Phoenix, uh, 2019, the radio station that I'm on what in. Is this? An interview in, in, in Dallas, tw- twenty twenty one jizzing. <laughs> yeah, right. That was twenty twelve through twenty one jizzing. Yeah, do you know Great Great Britain news? Jizzed all over them <laughs> at length on Zoom. I was like Jeffrey Tubin, but it was acceptable. <laughs> I think I think you're forgetting that that word means something else here in America. It means it in England as well. That's why, that's why it works so brilliantly. I just. <laughs> See, if I if I had said yes to this, rather than just claiming that I said yes to get out of other things I don't want to do, if that was my opening remark to the people of Great Britain news, Jizz Fest is on! Oh, we seem to have a problem with the connection to uh, Ian Canfield. <laughs> yeah, but what am I supposed to do with this Jizz Lane costume now? <laughs> Yeah, that is one other thing about that. You are way too enthusiastic and quick to suggest that, which makes me think that although you didn't go to a Halloween party as Ghislaine Maxwell, you have in the past had some reason to have a dress and uh, a, a a brown hair wig that makes you look like a woman. That uh, I don't know. Uh, I, in, I, in my I, defense, I, she does not look like a woman. Go I, on. I don't know why you wore it to begin with, but whatever the circumstances were, you had such a good time. You can't wait to wear it again. I need an excuse to wear this dress and you're ruining it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we need to talk about uh, Alec Baldwin. He didn't pull the trigger. Ah, a ghost did. And, and uh, you know, Baldwin and the Golden Girls, they're separate things, by the way. Are uh, they? <laughs> was he ever in the Golden Girls? Uh, he might join. <laughs> Reboot. 
he's old now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I mean, you wouldn't want him around Betty White. I mean, he's a risk to life now. Let's not forget to, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, Alec Baldwin did, like, shot the, Betty White. I mean, you know. No, he did it. The ghost did it. I forgot he didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> What's your joke about Alec Baldwin? Uh- <laughs> I don't even remember. There's been so many. <laughs> we were having a conversation about what OJ did and didn't do one time. And Jeremy says to me, oh, but you know what? <laughs> I'm laughing at it before I... Alec Baldwin definitely shot that woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, OJ, it's still kind of question for some people. There's not a single person on this earth, well, OJ. According to Alec Baldwin, he didn't. And we'll get to that uh... in part two. <laughs> All right, let's do uh, part two of Did You America? Quick reminder of the songs of the week. There is a poll if you wish to vote on my Twitter. I'm Ian Camfield on Twitter. This week, my choice is Human by Tom Morello with Barnes Courtney. I went with Summer Rain by Leon Bridges and Jasmine Sullivan. New York producer choosing Until I Come Home by Two Feet with Grandson. So it's Human by Tom Morello with Barnes Courtney, Summer Rain by Leon Bridges featuring Jasmine Sullivan, or Until I Come Home by Two Feet featuring Grandson. Uh, give us a vote on the poll on my Twitter at Ian Camfield. Um, I don't know if we made this happen. You know, we have some cosmic power. Sometimes we talk about stuff and then, wow, what do you know? Who'd we kill this time? No, I feel like we might have uh, rejuvenated the career of Kenny G. <laughs> yeah. although, although if you watch the trailer for his uh, forthcoming HBO documentary, he definitely is a man who would not believe his career needs any rejuvenation. No, no. See, I'm super... I could care less about this documentary before I saw the trailer. And now this is like the movie I want to see the most in 2021 right off the bat he's like he's playing uh his flute or whatever and he takes it away he's like oh that was really difficult i played it really well like (laughs) the ego on this guy is insane he he might be kanye west (laughs) yeah the kanye west of jazz which apparently is true because another thing i didn't know about kenny g until his trailer is apparently the jazz community hates kenny g right well you know why because uh, not that I'm overly familiar with his back catalogue, but I believe that he's had some hits and he makes jazz music that has a tune that you can remember and probably hum or sing along to. Whereas <laughs> so it's not like re- random re- notes. Real <laughs> jazz fans. I mean, you know, one of the most astute things that Noel Gallagher from Oasis ever said was, if you go to a jazz gig, it's the only show where the people on stage are having a better time than the people in the audience, <laughs> right. Right? right? Jazz, like, I feel like the same note is never meant to be played twice right, you know what i mean right, right. so the, the 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 jazz purists are like kenny g with his curly hair oh that's another thing you know that because people make a big issue of his uh, of his uh, flowing curly locks right. apparently he only washes his hair like once every three months or something ridiculous oh, yeah I, you know what i people since i've grown out my hair like the one thing people always ask me is like how often do you wash it and when i tell them like quite regularly i'm not fucking disgusting they're always like oh it's bad for you you're not supposed to do that i I don't care if washing your hair is bad for your hair it's gross to not wash your hair yeah like shower yeah because if you've got a lot of it hanging around it's gonna get smelly and then sometimes like i work out and i sweat and like right. what i'm not supposed to shower and like wash it sometimes water isn't enough no i agree if you if you work out and you sweat that is like you know not uh washing underneath your armpits and putting new deodorant on if you just let that right. hair hang 
That being said, the answer is twice. Twice a week I wash my hair. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Well, Kenny G does not subscribe to that theory. But my, my point being, um, I feel like he came from out of nowhere in the, the previous episode because we were talking about saxophone nans and, <laughs> right. uh, and speculating that uh, does uh, playing the saxophone make you pee? I'm not sure if that is the talking point in the new HBO documentary. But then suddenly Kenny G is like front and center. And uh, mm. I, I mean, I, I, to your point, having watched the uh, the the, the, the the show is called Listening to Kenny G. Um, having watched the trailer, I was very happy that I've stolen my buddy Steven's HBO Max password because I, I'm intrigued to see the full thing when it debuts. Uh, I actually know it's out today. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been seeing a lot of stuff. So I think it's coming out either today or this weekend. But he, yeah, I'm, again, like, I had no interest in Kenny G. Now, after watching this, I really want to know everything about Kenny G. Right. Oh, you just want to see him be an asshole for 90 minutes rather than the 90 seconds that he's an asshole for in the trailer. Well, yeah, I mean, I love rap and I love Kanye and I'm okay with jazz. So I'm probably going to be okay with this. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, one other thing from uh, the previous uh, podcast episode, thanks to uh, Paul, who sent us a message. You know, uh, I was telling you that I had uh, this idea for different strokes. It is actually being officially rebooted. But I said that a few years ago on a, on a prior podcast... Um, we did a, a reboot of different strokes and we called it Daily Strokes. And basically the premise was that everyone who was in the show had had a stroke. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean well, as, well, as good as it gets. In, in, I think, well, I don't know what year this would have been. Like 2018 maybe was the year that I did that. That was enough in 2018 to get my podcast cancelled by the radio company that I was doing it for back then. We had a big, like, meeting with... You got cancelled before being cancelled was cool. I know. I mean, and, and, and what I mean, I was going to say I, I didn't get to bounce back, but I guess I have because I'm still on the radio now. So, you know, just call me the Mel Gibson of radio. I got cancelled <laughs> early and then I was able to come back. So you should have accepted and double down like you all have strokes (laughs) well according to Paul and this is true because he sent me a clip I don't know actually let me just check my phone to find out what the uh, what the show was called but apparently in the uh, it was either in the 70s or 80s um, this was very acceptable humor because he sent me a a sketch from a, a TV show where they were making out that they were doing different strokes. I guess this is when the original version of different strokes was on the TV. Um, but it was two people in hospital beds who had had a stroke. <laughs> this is actual, actually just different varieties of strokes. Yes, it, well, basically it's like a 30-second trailer from people all on a hospital ward mm-hmm. talking about like, like one of them had lost the use of their left arm, the, the other one's legs didn't this work. This the side of his face. Yeah, literally. And, it was, and, and, then, and, then, and it was different strokes Thursday night at 8 on NBC so I just did it 20 years too late apparently this was this was like Saturday Night Live acceptable humour in the late 70s and and I can't find the message to tell you what the show was but it wasn't one that I'd ever heard of but the um, one of the actors who was in the who was in the trailer again I don't know if this is true I'm just going to say it's true because he looks like him but he struck me as looking like Alistair Sim who is in the most famous version of Scrooge Right, so they which is got, which like a real person. Yes, for it. so this is like a, this is like a, you know Scrooge is a you know classic classic movie. Every, every everyone loves Scrooge. Most people would agree that the Alistair Sim version is the best. So he's a, a serious actor who in the 1970s was in a sketch making out he'd done a version of Different Strokes that was actually about people that had strokes. Trip Reap, if you're listening, he was my big boss in Phoenix, right? 
Alistair Sim, Scrooge did the, <laughs> did the strokes joke. But that yet when I did it, you had my previous podcast removed from cyberspace. I was banned from the internet. Do you know how hard it is to get banned from the internet? <laughs> it's very difficult. Right. That's Donald Trump. I, look, I'm all for like, you know, we, we joke about cancel culture a lot. And, you know, we rally against it in certain cases. But there are some cases where cancel culture is a good thing. You know, certain things should be canceled. Right. But, in this world where we just want to find like that one thing that's kind of inappropriate to laugh at, I think as a world we should agree that it's strokes. <laughs> strokes are kind of funny. Yes, they're detrimental. They're bad. It sucks when it happens to someone you love. Yeah. But when all of a sudden they're just like droopy and they're saying something like, that's just funny stuff. Right? That's good stuff. I'm, exactly. That and midgets. Look, I'm telling you, like, Scrooge found strokes funny. And Scro- have you seen Scrooge? He don't laugh at he all. He hates everything. Yes, he hated Christmas. That, that and was he, the whole he point. He hated Christmas. And he found strokes funny. <laughs> if it's if it's Alistair Sim, it might just look like him. <laughs> let's hit the streets. While we're talking about people being cancelled, uh, let's do this Alec Baldwin thing. So, um... He's on, uh, is it is it ABC? What is George Stephanopoulos on? I think CBS. No, ABC. Oh. Yeah, ABC, yes. Um, I guess by the time people hear this episode of, um, I was going to call us different strokes then. Um, by the time people hear this episode of Did You America, uh, this show would have gone out. But um, the only thing I've seen so far is the, uh, the trailer. So uh, George Stephanopoulos has done this uh, big interview with uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, where in the trailer... For this big interview, Alec Baldwin claims that he didn't pull the trigger. What? All right, now, yeah, okay. For, well, one thing, I mean, g- great for TV, great promo. You've got Alec Baldwin claiming he didn't pull the trigger on the gun that killed the person on the set of the show that he was producing and starring in, right? But beyond it being a great trailer to make everyone's reaction be exactly the same as yours, what the fuck is he thinking? What is he... Who is advising Alec Baldwin? Because whoever that person is, A, should be fired, and B, should be replaced by someone else who says to Alec Baldwin, you know... Maybe don't talk yet. Maybe stay. Maybe <laughs> right. stay. Maybe, maybe not have, have you considered staying away from cameras? Well, like he was so like he wanted to talk so bad. Like, do you remember there was the on the, the, side, on of the, the street, side of the road? It's like, dude, was, calm the, down. He was driving right, and you know what? I'm not because he was driving in a car. And he pulled over, this is a few weeks ago, to basically give an impromptu interview. I am not even sure that the people on the side of the road were uh, like TMZ or whoever trying to talk to Alec Baldwin. They could have just been hitchhikers that happened to have cell phones. Right. And he's so desperate, apparently, to talk to a camera. He's like, hang on, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. <laughs> and his wife's like... Alec, are you gonna let some get get you gonna we're gonna give a lift to some hitchhikers? Depends if they got cameras. Anyone got a camera phone? Okay, ask me some questions and film me. What's weird about that video? And yes, Alec Baldwin comes off not great in that video. You know who comes off as really bad in that video is his wife, who's like trying to defend him. Like you don't understand. We're going through a hard time. Like, lady, your husband just killed someone. Right. Like <laughs> she's obviously you know you ask who's advising Alec Baldwin now. You think it's, it's her? It's clearly his wife who's still trying to convince people she. Hispanic, even though there's proof that she's been born in America and all of her heritage is in America. I it, it is crazy, and I um I have a certain degree of sympathy with Alec Baldwin in the situation because, in all seriousness, it's obviously a you know a terrible situation, right. and and I don't I certainly don't align 
with um, Alec Baldwin politically, but that, you know, the people on the right that were in not so many words going, well, serves you right now, Mr. You know, anti-guns. I kind of, I was Maybe like- Maybe a little far. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> like it just, cause you know, Alec Baldwin, despite what apparently the trailer for this TV interview says, um, clearly did kill someone it's a terrible accident and it's a tragedy and i i guess you know well, all the plus, like think of all he went through like a ghost pulled the trigger and killed that lady <laughs> but i mean the, it, it, the terrible situation alec, you know alec baldwin obviously did not want to kill someone yeah. and 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 he did um so but my sympathies stop when he it's like you are you that addicted to the attention that you yes. like a i mean george stephanopoulos is obviously going to do a professional interview but i don't think that alec baldwin should be giving a professional interview at all and like he was so also you know around that same time that he decided to randomly stop and do a press conference with people on the sidewalk he was also out um, at a restaurant uh, somewhere that weekend with his kids again like you've just killed someone on a set of a movie that you were producing which means however the it, the cookie crumbles there's going to be some blame appointed to you because if you're the producer you take responsibility for stuff on the set right in that situation you don't get to be the person that goes well why shouldn't I go and have a meal at the mall? Why should why shouldn't I be at Pizza Hut with my family? Because you can afford to fucking stay inside, and you should stay inside and stay away from cameras. It's like he's addicted to the attention. You look again. You're totally glossing over the fact that he went through something traumatic. He didn't pull the trigger. Apparently, <laughs> he was dealing with a magic bullet. That's sorcery. He's not living in a Harry Potter world. He's just been thrown into one. I don't know. I, I how <laughs> mad is he that like he didn't kill that lady six weeks ago? So he could have been like ooh spooky spooky ghost halloween <laughs> yeah. who knows i i find it uh, i find it very bizarre and uh, look here's some good news to uh, to finish up on um so several friends of mine have messaged me about this the first ever golden girls fan convention is happening in chicago next year and uh, you know i'm a, a huge uh, golden girls fan so a lot of people have been thinking of me when they've when they've read this information although i gotta say i i feel like my friends may have misjudged me yes i am a big golden girls fan i don't know if i am a fan convention Golden <laughs> right, Girls fan far. because I'm I'm a I'm a I go to Bishop Arts you know which is like the arty bit of uh, of Dallas I don't think I've been to Bishop Arts and not picked up th- uh, at least a Golden Girl on something like a fridge <laughs> right. magnet or a mug or something I've got a lot of Golden Girls paraphernalia they sell a lot of it down there I like that I don't know if I want to be um, in an arena with people that are that into the Golden Girls. Like, and, and it's, just, I, they're just, I, I, I'll say this, right? I went to, um, they, there was a Golden Girls evening at AMC back in the summer, right? right. A bunch of AMCs showed like six Golden Girls episodes back to back. And, um, you know, this is me being a gay saying this, so it's okay, everybody, don't cancel me. But that AMC theater for the Golden Girls evening, right? Um, it was gayer than Cedar Springs. <laughs> Cedar Springs, if you don't get that joke, is the gayborhood in Dallas, right. right? And you know, I love the gays, obviously, right? <laughs> Be, being one, but I, but I've got to say, By definition, but yeah. 
but yes, by definition. But um, being in like a a theater full of them where they're so overexcited and loud. I mean, like, I mean, it did, like Betty White isn't that entertaining. See, even that's fine because like even you have to bring down your fan for that word. Normally, people would be like, "Oh, your love of Golden Girls is the gayest thing about you." We're like, if I was a huge Golden Girls fan, it'd be like the fifteenth gayest thing about me. <laughs> right but, you know it's, i think it's i think you need to you need to let loose you need to show that like deep down you want to scream let, and you want to be that fan that's over the top uh, let me ask you this every one of these conventions you know they whatever the theme is people dress up as oh, like right, yeah. who, who what character are you dressing oh, up all, as always be Arthur's yeah. character right yeah 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 yeah. i mean i'm a good closet lesbian i mean i don't and I, I, I don't you know I, every so often buzzfeed will do the witch golden girl are you you don't even right? click it you know oh i know and, and but i know like other friends of mine that do the thing and they always think they're blanche they want to be the slutty golden girl right and most of them get uh, Dorothy be Arthur's character and they're disappointed I wear my closet lesbianism with pride let me tell you uh, but I uh, but uh, yeah no I d- don't want to and, and here okay this is another reason I'll get what, you addressed don't worry this isn't the, how do you know I've not got you just want, <laughs> I told you I after, have a dress I've been dying to wear and you're not letting me wear it I'm gonna do a you'll cost- dress as B. Arthur <laughs> right. I'll dress as Gislaine people will be a bit thrown off <laughs> Um, I think the other reason why I'm I'm kind of um, not into the Golden Girls thing is uh, I'm still a little bit shell shocked by so the the Golden Girls at AMC was fine. It was a bit too screaming queeny for my liking as right. far as the audience goes, but it wasn't as scary as the time I went to see a screening of the Star Wars holiday movie, which is which stars B. Arthur. Do you know about this? No. So, you know, the first Star Wars movie was actually like quite a low budget movie. It was afterwards. They put loads of money into it when it became a thing. Right. After the first Star Wars movie came out, like right after, before it became a massive thing, some network, so I guess we're talking 70s because that was when the first Star Wars came out, right? Some network decided, and I don't know whether this was like an annual thing in American television because it's before I was born, but some network decided that they would do a live-to-air TV Christmas special oh, with this, the cast of Star Wars. This is a thing that like was so bad, like they shelved it for years. It is harder to find in cyberspace than my previous podcast where we did Daily Shropes. Wait, why is B. Arthur in it? She's in it. She's got a role because I think this was the is thing. Is she playing B. Arthur? Or is she playing like a character? If, like- you, if you watch B. Arthur, she's kind of like a, a deep-voiced closet lesbian in most of her like <laughs> you, you know, right. I'd be like have you ever seen that so the, she's a Wookiee got it you, you, <laughs> you ever seen that TV show Mauled that she made yeah, yes. that same character <laughs> okay. right that's like I can see that in Star Wars you know so yeah I forget what role she plays but she's in it but, the, but, but I think back then B. Arthur was a famous TV actress, and because Star Wars hadn't become what it was to become, she was probably a good get for them in this live Christmas thing because none of the other cast that are now way more famous were that famous at, the, at this point. Right. And you are correct. It's so bad, and Star Wars became such a well-loved, controlled franchise that uh, people behind Star Wars have tried to erase it. But there are copies that exist. They're very great. 
Rainey and every so often independent movie theaters for Christmas do a screening of it. So down the road from where I used to live, there were like two weeks of Christmas movies on the big screen. And, you know, it was like Scrooge, Scrooge Dub, Home Alone, Bad Santa. The standards. Star Wars Christmas movie. <laughs> but this, I think, is what's put me off. So I'll tell you this. This is back in my drinking days. I went, it was a, they called it, the place was called Film Bar. So it was a bar that had a little screening room out the back. I probably drank about eight pints of beer before the, the screening of the movie. And then I went into it like really drunk and I sat between two lesbians. Now, I don't know why I ended up sitting between them. I think they, they, they both listened to me on the radio and were like, oh, we'll put the British guy between us because he's so entertaining. I'm <laughs> like, I mean, I'm here to watch the movie. But I didn't realize how bad the movie would be. It's like, I mean, I was there for B. Arthur, you know, gay see right that's i'm turning up for the br for bit. i'm turning up for the golden girl this movie is so terrible and also like i needed to pee a lot because i drunk so right much the beer. um it's like an endurance test and it's, it's last i don't know if it lasts like two hours the 15 minutes seems more like 15 hours and um i was uh i got about 30 minutes into it Still no B. Arthur, and I'm so drunk, and so I'm like, oh god, I can't put, I can't, I'm gonna go do this. And the the two lesbians are like have been like chatting to me quietly, bit by bit. And so I said, well, I'm not just gonna get up and walk out on them because you know they listen to my radio show. Right. It's just, you know, the, and so I said to them, um, <clears throat> this is where it all went wrong. I said, oh, I'm very drunk, so I'm just gonna go now. They're like, how? Dare you? Oh no! Walk out now! You before... got Ellen DeGeneres angry lesbians. Oh my god! It was like for the first thirty minutes that I lasted for that movie, they were Ellen DeGeneres dancing on camera, <laughs> and at the point at which I said I was going to walk out with ninety minutes of the movie left to go, it was very much Ellen DeGeneres cameras off in the office. It was like you were one of her employees all of a sudden. Oh, you were no longer a guest. I mean, I was like the person that got her coffee order wrong. That's how they, that right. And one of them goes, "What?" And the other lesbian goes. B. Arthur's not even been on yet. <laughs> and with that, I can't... There he goes, your chance at the weirdest threesome of I all time. I can't remember what they said, but their words imprisoned me, and I really needed to piss. <laughs> and they were like, don't get up. And I had to stay, like, like nearly... You better piss your pants, sir. Almost, right, until fucking Dorothy comes on, pre-Dorothy, <laughs> does a bit that's just like Dorothy because she's closet lesbian in all right. of her right there's the prequel like, the Golden Girls prequel and then as if I'd been regressed to a five year old at school because really it was more about me wanting to leave because I needed to use the bathroom I was like excuse me lesbian ladies can I go can I go can I, I need to go to the toilet right so anyway I, that was a very long winded way of saying like I can't be in an arena full of Golden Girls fans if they're all like that alright what happens when you have to pee <sighs> oh, well, one other thing on this Golden Girls convention that apparently the uh, the people that are doing it and if you want to get the details it's at uh, thankyouforbeingafan.com of course it is um, they're saying that they want to get Betty White to show up because obviously she's the only one that's still alive from the Golden Girls she's almost 100 I, you don't stop it the only place we need to be seeing Betty White at the moment is in those memes joking about the fact that she's dating Pete Davidson alright <laughs> they're, 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 they're the only appearances we need she should be allowed to stay at home and just be looked after alright call me crazy and you know I'm a huge Kardashian fan even I'm choosing Betty White over Kim <laughs> 
All right, we're done. If you want to talk to us, digiamerica.com is the website where you can do that. If you want to vote for Song of the Week, there is a poll on my Twitter, and I am at Ian Camfield on Twitter. Um, and um, that's it. Did we, America? This ain't GBN.